Welcome to Generational Wealth MD's podcast on financial freedom through investing in real estate. My name is Param Baladandapani. I'm a mom, radiologist, real estate investor, and mentor to others looking to start or scale their real estate portfolios. Thank you for being here today. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with inspiration, strategies, and insight so that you can stop trading your time for money and live life on your terms. If you love the episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Today, I wanted to take some time and I wanted to go over the 10 lessons that I was able to put together from three generations of real estate investing experience that um, I've seen um, in my family. And just to give you a little bit of background in terms of what prompted me to start thinking about this and um, have this episode is because I was having a one-on-one session with one of my members of uh, Creating Generational Freedom she told me how she felt like I was investing with the right strategy. I was running my numbers right. I was boosting returns and I was so focused and methodical in everything I was doing. I had the systems and processes in place. And then I listened to her journey and she felt that her journey was messy and she had achieved a lot. She's, I think she's just doing amazing in terms of real estate investing. But when I heard uh, that, it just made me realize that I don't talk enough about about my, the mistakes that I made, uh, about how messy my journey was initially and how I got to where I am right now. And I think we have a tendency to celebrate our successes, but it's also very important for us to talk about the mistakes that we make and which in a sense, it's never a failure. It's just a lesson that you're learning that's going to help you make better decisions in the future. And I think when we talk about that, it's helpful because it's always so much better to learn from other people's mistakes than to make those mistakes ourselves. So uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, From the age of 31 to 39, I look at my real estate investing journey as a series of mistakes. And then eventually, uh, when I was 39, I figured it out. And the reason I figured it out is because of a massive push I got when I had a rough career transition. I realized that my physician income wasn't as stable as I thought it was. And I had to really build that passive income floor. And then within 12 months, I was able to accelerate financial independence. But a lot of that came from all those mistakes, the learning that had happened before that, that decade before that, where I had my messy journey. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. Um, And I'm hoping that you can learn from that. But the other important thing that I've realized over time, just talking to many people um, when I've been on podcasts, is that as much as I think that a lot of this learning came from my personal journey, the truth is that my background itself broke down so many barriers for me and made real estate investing not as intimidating as it can be for some other you know people looking to invest in real estate and i didn't actually see it as such for a long time but over time i've come to realize that my background the community that i'm from i've seen real estate investing done successfully i've had so many role models model success in real estate Um, As a community, we just believe, and this is what I've heard growing up, right? You invest in real assets, you invest in physical assets, just gold and real estate. And that's how you build generational wealth. And there are generations before me who did that um, and who did it successfully. And um, I didn't realize how important that was for me to be successful in my journey. And so I'm not only going to talk about my mistakes, but I went back and I've had discussions with uh, other family members, my uncles and my dad, my mom, and I've gathered the 
you know, the lessons that they wanted to share and the lessons that I want to share, the mistakes we made, and then the, the wisdom that has been passed down generations. And I'm hoping it's going to help you because, you know, when I was talking to my uh, father about this, and I, I wanted his opinion in terms of what his initial journey was like. And he said that even for him, with our background, for both of us, our initial journey, there was the intimidation about investing in real estate. Uh, there was some overwhelm. And I can only imagine for those who haven't seen that success being modeled in the past, all the external limiting beliefs that they are exposed to, how, how much more intimidating it can be, right? So let's get started. Point number one, okay, the first lesson the most important lesson is that the reason a lot of us don't start or scale our real estate investing journeys is because we don't really understand the returns from real estate investing. So what do I mean by that? Between 2011 and 2019, I think the reason, and I had the opportunity to invest in real estate, I had the funds, I, had, uh, I was introduced to excellent teams, which I think is a key component of investing in real estate. But I don't think I really understood what the returns were. 2011 to 2014 to 2013, I was dealing with my own limiting beliefs. Um, I was dealing with external limiting beliefs, right? The beliefs of people around us and the things that they have to say about real estate. But even when I started investing in 2014, uh, I was just looking at cash flow, right? I didn't realize that the returns from real estate were significantly more than that. Right? I wasn't factoring in um, equity build up through debt pay down, um, through market appreciation. I wasn't factoring in tax savings. I didn't know what was actually possible, right? I didn't realize that with investing in real estate, depending on how you want to do it, there are ways to get 100% ROI in year one. There are ways to recycle your money, pull all of the money out of the deal, get infinite returns, and all of that can significantly accelerate your journey. I did not know that. That's why I, I you know, my initial journey was so was so sloppy. Um, and when I spoke to my my father, he said the exact same thing. Initially, he was investing in CDs, he was investing in IPOs, uh, you know, individual stocks. And I, and looking back, a lot of that was because he just didn't see how much more impactful investing in real estate was going to be and how significantly higher the returns were. And for those of you who are curious and want to learn more, who haven't listened to um, some of my previous podcasts where I actually go into these numbers, uh, you can go on to generationalwealthmd.com, the resources section. There is a financial independence worksheet where I talk about how with a stock portfolio, you only have, you can only safely withdraw 4%, but with real estate, you can have annualized returns in your portfolio of 20 to 70%, depending on how you structure it. So many different ways to do it. Uh, the important lesson is you cannot just rely on your clinical income. All of us need to be investors. And I think it's important for us to know that, and if I'd known this, obviously my journey would have been very different, but if I had known this 10 years ago, there is a way to get to financial independence in two years and not 20 years by invest, like as you would if you invested in the stock market. And just knowing that that's possible and understanding realistic returns is I think the first mistake that I made and that's the first lesson I want to convey, right? Okay, so moving on to lesson number two. The second, I would say, significant mistake that I made was not using leverage, was not knowing how to be responsibly leveraged and the impact that, that could have. My immediate mentor, right, that my colleague who got me started into real estate investing um, in my in my journey over here, he uh, would buy all his properties all cash. They cash flowed significantly higher, but he was paying taxes and he wasn't really capitalizing on leverage, right? And I followed that model for a little bit before I actually understood how much of an impact leverage could have. And when I spoke to my father, he said the exact same thing, that in his journey, looking back, he saw that there were so many 
real estate, well, not many. There were a few real estate investors who actually um, capitalized leverage. They they used leverage to scale rapidly. And over time, what happens with debt is that when you have fixed long-term debt and you look back 20 years later, the amount of uh, you know your mortgage payment is just is so insignificant compared to how much your real estate has appreciated over time and in terms of also in terms of how much also in terms of how much uh, your cash flow increases over time right so that debt may seem like a big deal initially and it may seem like your cash flow is significantly higher but when you are using leverage responsibly and you have good debt then your returns can be magnified up to six times because now you have a leverage multiplier right your equity from property price appreciation stays the same no matter whether you purchase a property all cash or you get leverage for it you now also have debt pay down which is happening if you have a leveraged property and your returns are six up to six times what it would be if you didn't have leverage and i actually have an, a blog post on this it's a post that talks about creative financing and leverage and i actually run numbers to show you how your returns can be six times what it would be if you use leverage right um so go ahead and check out that blog post if you want to but at this time, I think it's also important to to talk about the third generation, right? I want to talk about my maternal grandfather, who uh, is an example of how when you're talking about leverage and debt, I think it's also important to be careful, right? You want to be responsibly leveraged because there is bad debt, right? And 75% of Americans carry over credit card balance each month. I mean, when we talk about debt, I think we need to look at all aspects of debt. My maternal grandfather uh, came from a family where, you know, they had over 100 acres of land, but over the generations, that wealth just dwindled because they took on bad debt. They took on debt for liabilities, sometimes for businesses that were failing and, and not necessarily for, they, it's not necessarily debt that they took on to purchase more real estate. This was debt that they uh, took for liabilities or for businesses that were failing, which eventually made them sell the real estate that they owned, you know, to make up for that, uh, or they, they lost it um, and, and it was repossessed. So again, when we talk about debt, it's important to uh, have to be responsibly leveraged and to know what good debt is and to use good debt to buy assets that are cash flow, right? Uh, but when you do that, remember your returns are magnified up, up to six times, depending on you know how your debt is structured, when you're using leverage and a leverage is the best hedge against inflation. When you look back, uh, that that debt stays fixed. Meanwhile, um, you know other expenses start increasing. Your cash flow increases significantly. So, um, so yeah, using leverage the right way, I think, uh, is is a very important lesson. Something that I learned um, a lot later. Lesson number three: It's really important to have cash flowing real estate, right? Cash flow, cash, cash flow is, is super important because that passive income, I think, in my opinion, is something that you really need to be building over time. Um, and so I've always maintained this. I've always maintained, I mean, this is what I teach in the, in the uh, Creating Generational Freedom program. Whenever you're buying assets, I have calculators. Uh, you can access them in the resources sec section as well. Make sure you have an asset that is, um, that is cash flowing. And, uh, you know, for my father, that always meant that when they purchased land his model was a build to rent model which also ensured that he had cash flow from it right so it wasn't always just land that he was purchasing he made sure that there was passive income um, and like i said you cannot just rely on earned income because you're constantly trading your time for money you want to be um, also focusing on passive income okay um, and this is also true for those who 
probably are surrounded by people who are accidentally landlords or for those of you who were accidental landlords and for some of you who may have chosen to take 15 year loans where you now end up having a property that may not necessarily be cash flowing i think it's important to always see if that makes sense with your overall goals but for most of us in most circumstances especially if you're trying to accelerate to financial freedom and you want this passive income to uh, sustain your lifestyle and your expenses then it's important to buy cash flowing assets uh, lesson number four is about diversification um, now, uh, why is diversification important? Diversification is important because it adds resilience to your portfolio, right? And that's the important thing. Now, as far as my portfolio is concerned, diversification includes diversification across assets, right? So for those of uh, our members who are aggressive about acquiring short-term rentals, I've always preached and I always say, I think your portfolio needs to have a little bit of balance. So if you can build a portfolio that has both short-term rentals and long-term rentals, that diversification just makes it a more resilient portfolio. Diversification also occurs uh, across uh, geography, right? So geographic diversification, and this helps protect you from natural disasters, from certain markets possibly doing better than others. I am invested in two countries and across five states in those two countries, uh, that uh, diversification in my portfolio makes my portfolio more resilient. Um, again, the same thing um, with my father, I was talking to him and in his experience, what he had to say was that, and this is what I heard him say as I was growing up, that the secondary cities saw more appreciation than those primary big cities. And he saw more appreciation across uh, along major corridor, corridors and freeways. And um, the funny thing is that I was listening to Neil Bawa, who's also called the data science uh, king, talking about you know, where he expects to see um, appreciation in the near future uh, in, in the current market. And he was talking about the uh, Austin San Antonio corridor and those secondary cities over there, like New Braunfels and San Marcos, uh, same thing with the Orlando Tampa, Fort Myers corridor. And he was talking about the exact same thing. And it just goes to say that when you're diversified, you're also protecting your portfolio from those fluctuations that a certain market could see. And you're also possibly giving yourself the opportunity to tap into greater appreciation that you would see in those secondary cities, right? So something to keep in the back of your mind. I think diversification is super important for, for your real estate portfolios. Again, diversification across assets, right? If you are investing in the stock market, investing in real estate may be more about diversification, right? Because it's not uh, directly correlated to the stock market, the returns are indirectly correlated. So that may be why you're doing it, but uh, it's important to keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, next I wanna talk about inflation. When we start investing in real estate, and for those of you who've been using the calculators, running numbers, and you're looking at cash and cash returns, especially in really strong markets like Dallas, and I've been running numbers with some of our members who are investing there, you may be seeing really low cash and cash returns right now. They could be maybe four or five percent in the Dallas market is what you're looking at. And that's just your return of investment based on the cash flow that you're seeing, right? Without factoring in equity buildup over time or tax savings. So when you're seeing that, that may seem like a very small return. But the important thing to remember is that over time, right, over time, when you have fixed long-term debt, your debt remains, which is your largest expense, it remains stable. But over time, you're, because of inflation, you're Cash flow is increasing because rents are increasing. And when that happens over time, you're going to see a significant increase in your cash and cash return in your portfolio. And when you've held your portfolio for a significant amount of time, you start seeing the magical effect of this. And I don't want for you to learn this from your own personal experience um, after you've owned your portfolio for five, six years, and then you see that growth and then wanting to scale. I want you to scale and learn from my experience 
when I first started investing in Houston, uh, my cash and cash return for my, and at that time I wasn't really doing rehabs or um, anything else to boost return significantly, right? So I had a simple turnkey buy and hold uh, long-term rentals that I was doing and my cash and cash return was close to 8%, but that same property five years later, because rents had increased and my debt was uh, was stable because it was, you know, conventional mortgage, uh, my cash and cash return had bumped up to 25%, right? And over my entire portfolio, the same thing has happened. Now, part of that, you know, especially within the last two years has been because of rehabs that I do when I pull the money out, you know, I use the burst strategy because of tax strategies that I've been using, um, that bumps up my cash and cash return because I'm now recycling my money. But a lot of that growth has been because of inflation also. And it's important to remember this when you're investing, when you're running your numbers. So you can keep this in the back of your mind and consider that, right? And when you're, especially when you're trying to make a decision between the stock market and real estate, it's important to realize that those returns will increase over time because your returns from your real estate are inflation adjusted. That's the important thing. Now, as far as my, when I, when I spoke to my father about this, like I told you, my uncles and my father typically use the 10% uh, build to rent model, right? So when they built a property and rented it out, they were expecting to get anywhere close to 10% cash and cash return. But and I've had the experience of seeing those, watching those properties uh, over the last 20 years, the rental income from those properties has 10x, right? 10x in that time. And remember, they didn't use really use leverage. So for them, their cash flow has increased significantly. And that's the important thing to remember. When you're thinking about investing in real estate, it's important to remember how there's this upward trajectory where your cash flow is constantly increasing just because of inflation, which means that your returns are inflation adjusted. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, uh, when you have long-term fixed debt, that is again, a great hedge against inflation. It's your best hedge against inflation. So important points to keep in the back of your mind. Um, lesson number six, I may be a little biased here, but this is my, this is my honest opinion. I love the boring buy and hold long-term investing strategy. Okay. And, um, when I look back upon the generations before me, we've had wholesalers, developers, my, some of my uncles use those strategies to build wealth in real estate. And I've always looked at that as a way more of generating income. But when you have a long-term buy and hold strategy, I look at that, especially when you have cash flowing assets, I look at that as a combination of income from your cash flow and also wealth building over time, because that portfolio is going to increase in value over time. And so I've always, you know, been more of a believer of a long-term buy and hold strategy. But again, you need to assess what your goals are and you need to think about whether you want it to be more in terms of income or if you want a combination of income and wealth, then you will have the option to play with both of those, right? That's the important thing to remember. Now, there is a 2019 Insured Retirement Institute study, which says that nearly 45% of the baby boomers will have no retirement, have no retirement savings at all, and their lifespans are outliving their wealth spans. So if you think about that, that's because most people are primarily, including their 401ks, they're primarily invested in the stock market, right? And what happens with the stock market, uh, with, the stock, uh, with that portfolio? With that portfolio, over time, what you're going to be doing is that you are going to be withdrawing from your portfolio. And that's how, you know, the 4% um, safe withdrawal, you're actually selling off those assets, withdrawing from that portfolio and living off of that portfolio. And so what happens over time is that your wealth is decreasing. And if you 
uh, depending on whether you are uh, you were in a bear market or a bull market the first few years depending on how long you live and depending on what the nest egg was to begin with you know your lifespan may be more than your wealth span and that's important to remember because when you invest in real estate and you have that buy and hold long-term model with cash flowing assets that i talked about the important thing to remember is that over time you're living off of the cash flow but your wealth is increasing right and i think that's that's just that's just the beauty of investing in real estate and having that and banking on that for retirement so it's inflation adjusted and it instead of your net worth going like this as in retirement what's happening is that your net worth, net worth continues to grow as you're living off of your income your cash flow okay lesson number seven never sell real estate and you know if you look at uh, people who've been doing this for a long time most seasoned real estate investors will only 1031 exchange their um, real estate investments they will never really sell it because you may be subject to capital gains taxes because your property is appreciated and when you do a 1031 exchange what you're doing is you're deferring payment on uh, you know the gain that you have in that property so you the the, the key point is try to maximize uh, take advantages of all the tax benefits that are afforded to real estate investors and remember the reason they do it is um, what is it called it's buy borrow so if you want to tap into the equity that you build up you do a cash out refinance you borrow from it and then you pass it on to your heirs and when it gets passed on to your heirs you know, you've deferred paying gains taxes on the property but your heirs now get a step up in basis so no one really ever has to pay taxes on the gain that has happened right and that's the strategy my um like we've seen this this has been used for generations in our families even though they owned assets in india the, the truth is that most countries have similar laws that have a similar ability to do something to, uh, that is the equivalent of a 1031 exchange and there is a step up in basis when uh, your heirs inherit properties and so that's lesson number seven okay lesson number eight is location and time freedom okay and why is this important i've heard people talk about how their biggest problem with investing in real estate is just hearing about these negative experiences um, and they don't want to be busy and they don't want to be bothered by all these calls and the important thing to remember is that both like me my portfolio is gives me complete location freedom which means that i could stay out of the country for six months and my you know there will be no change to the way my portfolio is handled because i have excellent property managers in place and i have systems and processes okay so it's not going to get affected now it also gives me time freedom because i can choose to be as hands-on or as hands-off as i need to be in my portfolio and that's really really important to remember and it's really important to see that being modeled successfully because it does take off a lot of those limiting those those roadblocks in terms of investing in real estate i've seen this happen this is this is how my portfolio is structured i've seen this with other people um, growing up where they lived so i grew up in the middle east and, and some of my cousins still work there and um and they own real estate in india and absolutely no issues whatsoever if you have the right teams in place and that's where it's really important to have the right teams to make this as hands-off as possible for you and to you know um, to give you that location and time freedom which is why in creating generational freedom in addition to the mentorship in addition to the education and the community i also introduce you to excellent teams and strong markets because that is the next step in making in taking down those barriers right and in in giving you access to those properties in a way and building that portfolio in a way in which you still have that that lifestyle choice so you can choose to structure it in a way that that fits into your lifestyle and that's really important okay lesson number nine now i think it's very very important to have a specific 
goal-based savings and investment plan. And why do I state this? And it's because like the first eight years that I, I talked about um, not understanding real estate returns, I think that's very true. But the other thing is that I didn't really, because I didn't really understand the need to have financial freedom, financial independence, and the need to build that passive income um, that was independent of my clinical income. I didn't really, I thought I was doing everything right. I was investing in a 401 backdoor Roth IRA. I thought I was doing everything right. But uh, in hindsight, um, I didn't have a goal of building enough passive income to replace my clinical income. That was not a specific goal that I had. And therefore, I didn't have a savings and investment plan that matched it. And I think that's a big part of why my journey had a lot of those mistakes, flaws, and that delay the first uh, decade that I was investing in real estate. And I think looking back, my father always had a plan. Um, I think he always knew that it was important. And so he always was very conscious about how he spent his money, how he saved and how he invested. When you do that, you're more likely to reach your goals. And it's important to do that because like I said, you cannot rely on your clinical income. It's really important to have true financial freedom. Finally, I want to talk about intergenerational transfer of wealth. Okay. And I don't think we think about this as much. I mean, we think about building wealth and transferring it to the next generation, right? When I, when I got to the point of financial freedom at 41, for me, the next thing was about generational wealth, right? Um, being a bridge between the two generations and, and being able to transfer the wealth appropriately to my kids. But transfer of wealth is not just transfer of the actual assets. It's also transferring the wealth of knowledge that we've acquired. And I want to talk about the, you know, my grandparents and, and their generation and what I saw happen over there. My maternal grandfather, uh, like I mentioned, he, you know, they, he came from a family where they had a lot of, they were landlords, they had over 100 acres of land. But then over time, his generation was a generation that lost most of that, right? And so they weren't able to to hold on to it, the same. But the on the other um, end of the spectrum was my paternal grandfather, who he didn't inherit any property. But over time, he was able to, you know, paying all cash for it without taking on debt, was able to build up a portfolio, and um, he ended up having close to ten acres of land, and that's something that he built by himself. And when you know, when I think about this, and when I had these conversations, I did a little bit of research, and um, there is a common phrase, it's short sleeves to short sleeves in three generations. And it talks about intergenerational transfer of wealth. Um, and the truth is that 70% um, of wealthy families lose their wealth by the next generation and 90% lose it the generation after that, right? And so I think the important thing is that when we're transferring wealth, it's never just about the assets that are getting transferred. We're also transferring the knowledge. And the important thing to note over here is that like for me, my parents modeled success, right? Both of them showed me how it was done. And without even knowing it, that broke down so many barriers for me. And so when, when you are going and building your portfolio and you are building that financial independence, that passive income floor for yourself and your kids see you do that, you're already transferring that wealth of knowledge. But I think it's also important to start the dialogue, right? Um, and the dialogue is not just with your kids. I think it's also important to have those conversations with our parents talk to them, find out what they've seen in their in hindsight, what the, mis their mistakes were, what lessons they learned, and the, the insights that they have from what they've observed you know, over the decades. Um, and then having those conversations with our children and teaching them about financial independence and passive income and how important that is, how you shouldn't just rely on your earned income, how it's important to have that. But also, I think parents 
always focus on frugality and you want your children to not spend without thinking about it. So you want them to be frugal, but financial literacy is completely different. And I think it's really important to focus on financial literacy and to pass on those lessons and mistakes um, to them while also passing on your values and what your legacy, what you want the legacy for your family to be, right? So all of that is super important. Okay, so those were the 10 lessons from a real estate perspective, but I wanna take time to also talk about two life lessons that I've learned from my parents that I'm eternally grateful for. And the first one is to work hard and to always be independent. I don't talk about this a lot, but the truth is that 19, in this country, 1974, that was the year that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed. And that was when women were able to get a loan without actually having their spouse signed for them, right? Um, and I grew up in a culture where I have been told by some extended family members that women shouldn't own real estate, they shouldn't be making decisions about money, even if it's money that they've earned. My, and my parents have always made decisions together. They were great role models. They always taught me that you make your own destiny and uh, you get to make your own destiny um, in a country where it is believed that your fate and your destiny is decided before you're born. They always told me that you just make your own destiny and I'm grateful for that. Um, and then the second important lesson is that they always modeled giving back to the family and community. They, every time they felt that they grew, they always wanted to give back. We co-founded a nonprofit educational trust for children in rural India. And my goal with Generational Wealth MD is to, over time, with each cohort, I'm hoping we can sponsor education for one child with disabilities in rural India up to the age of 18 with the goal of empowering them and giving them opportunities, right? So giving back was always important and I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been able to see them do that and, and learn from it. So wrapping it all up, um, I think the important thing is that my journey wasn't straightforward. I made a lot of mistakes and I would have paid anything to have avoided those mistakes and to have grabbed those opportunities in 2010, 2011, uh, when I could have started investing. Actually, I could have started investing way before that because um, I, I actually had six figures saved up during residency and fellowship. So you know, I would have paid anything to do that. I, I, uh, we In this country, we have comically short maternity leaves uh, and there was a time when my father was diagnosed with cancer and I was able to, I was fortunately able to spend a month with him. I would have loved to have spent more time with him, helped him through chemo. Um, all of those choices weren't available to me because I wasn't financially independent. And it's important to remember that financial independence does affect our lives in so many ways that we don't even understand. And it's always best to learn from other people's mistakes. So if you're interested in learning about boosting returns, investing in short-term rentals, long-term rentals, compressing those timelines through mentorship, education, being surrounded by a supportive community, and most importantly, getting access to those teams that are gonna make real estate investing accessible um, and take down those barriers, then um, sign up for the wait list of Creating Generational Freedom. And uh, make sure you check out those resources that I talked about. We have the podcast, we have the blog, so many different ways. And the whole goal of all of this is to help you learn from my mistakes so that you're not repeating those same mistakes um, and giving you a space and a supportive community where you're able to grow and learn from everybody else. All right. Thank you guys for uh, staying with me. I hope this was useful. I hope you're gonna take some of these lessons and I hope it will simplify your journey going forward.